Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning to everyone. You know, I always wait until the screen comes up and reminds me what I'm going to speak about. Well, it's not quite that bad. But uh, I think that's great. And I guess it is, uh, I've been challenged to give you the rest of the story. And, uh, of course, I'm going to talk about the resurrection. But, you know, resurrection is life. Because, you know, if anything you do in a religious fashion or belief or doctrine doesn't lead to life, you're spinning your wheels. Life's very important. But the resurrection, and the, the resurrection, here's the, the point that maybe I'll get across here in these next few minutes. The, um, the resurrection is where the story begins as far as the church is concerned. Okay? I mean, we could go all the way back to Genesis 1-1 if we want. Uh, and, and that's not out of order, but as far as the as Christianity and salvation through Christ is concerned, it begins here. Amen. So, I'd like to share with you to start with, and I'm going to have three passages to read. And I'm reading from the the American Standard Version, just so you get you keep acquainted with English 120 years old. We don't want to let it go, okay? Because from what I've heard, what's been replaced with isn't all that good. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, very familiar passage to everyone. Just the first eight verses. Um, and within, here, within these words, um, listen very closely to the passages that I've selected because there isn't a word in there that's verbiage. Everything is there and has a reason, has a dy- dynamic effect. And the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the church in Corinth, says, Now I make known unto you, brethren, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received, Wherein also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached unto you, except you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he hath been raised on the third day, according to scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain until now, but some are fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. 
And last of all, as to a child untimely born, appeared to me also. That is the Apostle Paul there. So it is once again that we come around thinking of the anniversary of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's what this time is, the anniversary. Um, and God holds memorials and anniversaries all through his word. It's important. It's important to him uh, for us to remember. But he knows as people, we need these anniversaries. We need these memorials. We need these remembrances in our life. If we don't have them, we forget. How long do you have to be away from something that's really wholesome, right, and pure? First you miss it, then you remember, and then it's gone. That's why we need these remembrances. And I think we're flooded with thoughts and emotions regarding the significance of the resurrection. You see, this resurrection... The resurrection of Christ was the very first of its kind for a very important reason. So let's consider, going back just a little, what brought the world of men to the day, the day of resurrection that we read about in the scriptures. I'm not going to be reading from the resurrection passages so much as about the resurrection, and what Gail shared and what David has shared, we could spend the rest of the day here until we're so tired we can't sit up. But we still wouldn't really have covered all that we should. That's why we meet constantly. But let's think back. God's covenant people, Israel, were waiting for the anointed one from God. God had promised this from the beginning. He promised it to to Adam and Eve. And they continued through the days of the patriarchs and the law and, and the covenant people of God, awaiting for this, the Messiah, as they called him. And in the passing of time, at just the right time, Jesus of Nazareth was born to Mary. At the exact moment in time that it was necessary to do so. And some 30 years later, Jesus began his public ministry where he went out amongst the people. Uh, and we know these stories where he came to see John the Immerser and, and all that occurred. And that was three, and then three and a half years after that beginning of his ministry and his gathering to him, the apostles, and the rest of the disciples and multitudes of people, not all the people, but a lot of the people, he was crucified on the authority and the mean-spiritedness, if you will, of the Jewish leaders by the, by the Romans. We have the crucifixion. As David said, he died for the forgiveness of our sins, yours, mine those from before and those that would follow. But on the third day, as the Bible says, he was raised from among the dead. 
See, there was many, many dead, but he was raised from among those dead. The first fruits, as it's called. We call this the resurrection, of course, and the scripture teaches us that word. And then Jesus was made, because of all that he had done, Jesus was made both Lord and Christ, according to the scriptures, by his Father. Because of the will of the Father. And all of this that I've said is according to the scripture, as the Apostle Paul said. The very scriptures that the Jews had had for centuries upon centuries. In prophecy. In the understanding they had. But on Pentecost, some 50 days after the crucifixion, the apostles proclaimed in Jerusalem the very first time the fact that God had raised from the dead Jesus of Nazareth. You see, that's how Jesus was known. Jesus of Nazareth had been raised from the dead. And he also added, he that you crucified. It's feeling the weight down on their shoulders just a little. But remember what they said before Pilate? the leaders of the Jews, let his blood be upon us. And so it was. As Jesus had prophesied in Matthew 23, as he was coming in, coming towards Jerusalem. I'll share another passage with you. Because I like to talk about this, but you know, the scripture has a way of saying it so much better. Acts chapter 2. I want to start with about about verse 22. Um, Just kind of break into Peter's dissertation here concerning Jesus. 22 through 36. You men of Israel, this is Peter speaking, preaching the gospel. Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God unto you by mighty works and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, even as you yourselves know, him being delivered up by the determination of the counsel and foreknowledge of God, yet by the hand of lawless men did crucify and slay. Here's the verse, verse 24. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pangs of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David, say concerning him, in his David's writing as prophecy, I beheld the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh also shall dwell in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul unto Hades, neither wilt thou give thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou madest known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of gladness with thy countenance. And then he said, Brethren, 
I may say unto you freely of the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us unto this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that that God had sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins he would set one upon his throne. He, foreseeing this, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that neither was he left unto Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus did God raise up. Wherefore, we are all witnesses, that is, the apostles in particular, being therefore by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath poured forth this which you see and hear. For David ascended not into the heavens, but he saith of himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, till I make thine enemies the footstool of thy feet. Verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God hath made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you I'm going to stop there because I'm talking about the resurrection. How many times did Peter mention the resurrection just in that short time? About three times. He wanted the Jews to know that Jesus of Nazareth had been raised from the dead for certain. Well, for certain, for those who've seen him. But the message was confirmed by those that who had seen him, such as myself and you. And now we take by faith the resurrection. And that's not a bad thing. Now, I, I agree in a way, with the observations of C.S. Lewis uh, concerning resurrection. Just a little snippet. He said this, and it, it struck me. The first fact in the history of Christendom is a number of people who said they have seen the resurrection. Boy, is that plain enough? That really happened, didn't it? Do we think about it that way? This is a very important thing when it happened. He wasn't here very long after that, but more than 500 seen him. Those that were going to be carrying out the work were there with him, but briefly. So, with the first preaching of the gospel of Christ, we find a brand new state of existence being proclaimed and defined by the apostles. See, things changed because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because of the establishment of the apostles to go into all the world and deliver the message of salvation. Because of all of this, the real substance of it needed to be understood. And sadly... 
if anything's waning, it's that substance today. What is it that we believe? And the more, the longer I live, the more I realize it's the lack of substance, the lack of, of what's, what we know, what's inside, and what we can be assured of through Scripture, not through any other methods, through Scripture, that's where we are weak, and that's where we, we can be led astray. So the new reality for our humanity, I say all humanity, it was to the Jews first and then the Gentiles, in a short time after, however you define a short time, five or seven years in this case. (laughs) That's not a short time to me, but they were defining the new reality, a wonderful existence of the state of resurrection. And I'm going to show you today how I believe that the church lives within a, the state of resurrection. Amen. We're not apart from it. We're not waiting for it in the never-never land. Because the scripture teaches that I can't deny it. The, new, the state of resurrection with Jesus of Nazareth being the first fruits of that kingdom, the kingdom of Christ. Another passage, 1 Corinthians 15, just a few verses from there. Um, You know, we get all these good ideas from the Bible, don't we? (laughs) Oh, there's libraries full of books on nonsense. Uh, But this is the reality here. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23 just breaking here into a very long dissertation in chapter 15, but this is kind of the facts here. But now hath Christ been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of them that are asleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then they that are Christ in his presence, then the end, when he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have abolished all rule and all authority and all power, For he must reign till he hath put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be abolished is death. I've read a little past where I was going to go. It's hard to stop there. You want to know all of it, don't you? I'm not going to tell you all of it today. I want to talk about the resurrection. You see, the resurrection is a real thing. It's not something that we, we uh, file away. The, yeah, the resurrection is foundational. How many sermons have I preached of, on the resurrection being foundation, foundational for Christianity? Uh, yes, yes, yes. It is. 
But there are a number of other stones in that foundation too. But today, friends, let me stress that it is more than just a principle or a doctrine. It's a state of being for the family of God. The redeemed ones. That's why I say that resurrection is life. I want to be alive right now, don't you? You think about that a while. When I when the body no longer sustains me, I don't want to be just dead. I want to be alive in the resurrection. And we shall be, but you know we need to know about it first. And I guess that's where we're at. I just got two points. First, the resurrection brings assurance. And assurance is a good thing because assurance is is facts. Uh, assurance is things you can know from God's word that brings you real uh, inner strength. Uh, it makes your hope. Uh, real. Now, hope isn't sight, because remember, the idea of faith is what's important in our life. To live in that, in faith, in the situation of faith, as David relates it in his teaching. Acts 17, verse 22. I'm going to read this because when the Apostle Paul went out to preach to the pagan world, guess what he spoke of? Oh, these people were very religious, um, trying to cover all their bases. But I want to look at verse 22, and I'll read on through about 34. Um, Ye men of Athens, in all things I perceive that you are very religious, for I, as I pass along and observe the objects in your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I set forth unto you, the God that made the world and all the things therein, he, being Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is he served by men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he himself giveth to all life and breath and all things and he made every uh, he made of one that is one man every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth having determined their appointed seasons and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek God if haply they might feel after him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as certain even of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Being then the offspring of God, we ought not to think that, that God is likened unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and, and the devices of men. The times of ignorance, therefore, God overlooked. But now, he commandeth men that they should all everywhere repent, inasmuch as he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world 
in righteousness through the man whom he hath ordained. Wherefore, he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, We will hear thee again concerning this yet again. Now, isn't that a true account of how people receive great messages? Some mocked, but it certainly caught the interest, didn't it? I'll tell you why. Because people are spiritual. And we, when we hear the things of God, it, the spark in us, the spiritual awareness that we are God's creation, brings us to a, a, a thinking, a time of thinking, a time of consideration. We will hear you again on this. In other words, I want to hear more about this. Did they build a congregation in, in Athens? Well, they did. I don't know much about it. And talk about tough sledding. A town with how many gods? Over a thousand? Even a statue to one they forgot or whoever. That's man's mind. That's the, that's the carnal way of thinking. These words are the foundation of salvation through Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ has been raised from the dead. Jesus of Nazareth was raised from the dead, and God made him both Lord and Messiah. He used two other words there. Who's the head of the church? Christ. God made him the head of the church, his father. All we know concerning the state of resurrection we find in God's word. And you know, many years ago I was shocked when I was reading Job, um, preparing actually for a lesson that I was going to teach in Job here in this church many, many years ago. I think we spent two years in Job. <laughs> and we probably didn't do enough. But nonetheless, there's a passage in there about Job making a statement that when he sees his Redeemer face to face. You think the, the ancients didn't understand about the idea of what we call the resurrection? They did. They understood. The Jews understood. It's the world of Christendom that has forgotten that the Jews and all those knew about this because we try to push everything into the future. So, once again, it's through faith that we have our hope in the resurrection state. I want to emphasize that, because we didn't see anything with our eyes. We didn't even hear the apostles speak, but we know through the providence of God, we have the word of God. And if you understood how hard it was to keep any writings alive for any period of time at all, you'd realize that your Bible is a miracle laying on the table. It's a miracle. Just that it's there. 
If you don't believe it, try to find other ancient writings of a lot newer than this one, even. They're hard to find. Enough of that. So as I've, if I've, I've preached before concerning the resurrection, both the reality and the substance of it, though, is found in Christ Jesus by the will of the Father. You see, that's what the resurrection is about. Don't try to take it as something and move it away out somewhere away from where it belongs. And we're going to read a passage here in a minute, my favorite passage on it, that's going to, uh, you're going to hear, if you've never heard it or understood it, or maybe you've heard it, you're going to hear it again. You might even hear it once again after this. You never know. But, in, uh, and this is my last point, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Now, you've been reading your Bible. You know that it says that in there. But what's that mean? Uh, well, it means a lot. In the 11th chapter of John, so as we go to John, we're all out of time, so I need to move it. Oh, I'm not, as a matter of fact, but I didn't want to admit it. Uh, John 11, verse 17. I hope I get a pass on going past noon. But I just want to share these words with you because they're so important. So when Jesus came, and this is, of course, the account of Lazarus, we know. Lazarus had become ill. His sisters had sent word to Jesus, and Jesus waited a couple days before he went. And Lazarus had been dead for four days when Jesus finally arrived. And Martha comes out to him. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, uh, he found that he had been in the tomb four days already. And this was in Bethany, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary still sat in the house. Martha, therefore, said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Would you have said that? I, I think I probably would have thought that. And even now, I know that whatever you shall ask of God, God will give thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise the last day. You see, she knew about this. Okay. Verse 25. Well, actually what she said. Jesus saith unto her, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. How did I miss that? It's right there. Jesus said unto her, and this is what I'm trying to get to, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he die, yet he shall live. 
And whosoever liveth and believe on me shall never die. And he says to Martha what we need to ask ourselves. Believest thou this? you believe that? Even if you've died, you'll live. Even if you're alive and die. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrection. The Jews understood the idea of resurrection in the last day. It's all Old Testament teaching. The prophets spoke of it nearly in every prophetic message. The, the end of the age of the Jews that came that's in our history 70, 74 A.D., the end of the age. This has been lost to Christendom today and for many centuries before us, the real emphasis of it, at least. We have to believe it because I think if we don't believe it or can't believe it, what Jesus said to Martha, that we're not living in the resurrection. We need to believe it through faith. So if Christian people are in Christ, we live and they live in the resurrection state. And I say amen to that. Let me close. There are all kinds of facts and principles and doctrines that we need to keep reminding ourselves of over and over and over. But what a joy it brings to the soul. Do it. It will bring you the joy that you might be lacking. And I have to do this because I have more of a, uh, I'm not, well, I wouldn't say pessimistic, but realistic way of life. That can turn to pessimism very quickly. But the thing is, the idea, what the Apostle Paul said to the church, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, rejoice. You got something to rejoice about? How about the resurrection? I want to live in the resurrection. Last short verse, John 14. You see, Jesus just keeps making it very clear to everybody. This very fact, verse 6. Jesus talking to the apostles. Jesus saith unto him, that one of the apostles in particular, I am the way and the truth, and the life, no one cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, that's still true now as as the day he said it. It will always be true. As the resurrection is a fact, so are those words. Do we believe it? I pray we do, each one. So let's go out and make sure that others know it then. All right? Have our song of invitation and I'll close in prayer. Thank you for your attention. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.